breeze. Stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug King. Welcome to Georgia Carry Radio Hour. It's another beautiful day. It's Jerry Henry said again for Doug uh, King, who will uh, be out for a while. I'll probably be sitting in for another month or so until Doug takes care of some things that he needs to get taken care of. This week I'm having back uh, Ed Stone with me, who uh, two weeks ago was in here with me. We discussed several things. Uh, we discussed gun bills and we discussed some history of GeorgiaCarry.org. And we're going to do basically the same thing today. We're going to talk about some of the bills that are uh, up for hearing and, and uh, getting ready to uh, pass over to the Senate uh, before crossover day. And then we're going to go back and we're going to talk a little bit about the early history of Georgia Carey and how we got to be who we are. So uh, first thing I want to do is uh, introduce Ed Stone, our past president of GeorgiaCarey.org, our first president and one of the uh most uh, active guys in getting Georgia Carey started. So, Ed, good morning. Good morning, Jerry. I'm excited to be here. In the last two weeks, a lot has happened. It certainly has. And so we've got a lot for you over the next hour. That's correct. One of the things, uh, why don't we just jump right into it? Let's talk about um, some of the national bills and some of the things that are going on nationally, and then we'll get into the local things. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to kind of discuss today was uh, the Hearing Protection Act. Good one. It's a very good one. That basically will uh, take uh, suppressors and remove it from Class 3 and allow you to go down to the store, buy you a suppressor, put it on your firearm, and have a nice time with it. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the correct terminology he's using, we're talking about gun mufflers. Right. That's correct. It's not a silencer. It is a suppressor it suppresses the sound so that you don't have to have hearing protection every time you shoot your firearm it's very good for hunters and it's good for target practicing too if you're out in the woods target practicing uh, it does not blow your eardrums out absolutely and look georgia's getting crowded and even out in the countryside you have Mm -hmm. neighbors within a distance that can be disturbed by shooting and and i just don't see why you need to go and pay this 200 dollars tax and, and jump through all the hoops to buy what is considered a National Firearms Act weapon, when in European countries, uh, many of them, you can buy a silencer right over the counter. And you also have to wait anywhere from uh, 10 to 18 months to get it approved by them. It's not like you can go down and throw a credit card in and they check your credit and say, okay, you can buy it. You have to go through a lot of paperwork just to get the thing. Mainly based upon Hollywood movies and people's fear. That's correct. And uh, But the, you can always tell uh, people, uh, or you will be able to tell if this bill goes through in a few years, you'll be able to tell the older guys who have used suppressors all the time <laughs> because they won't be sitting there saying, huh? What? Every, what? T- every time you ask them a question. Uh, and you can tell us older guys, there's an awful lot of us that have hearing problems, and it's from sitting out in the woods shooting are shooting or taking target practice, etc. When I lay in bed at night, my ears ring incessantly. From your military days, or well, yeah, I worked your... around jets in the military too, oh. but, and then shooting and then as well your, and hunting. Your, yep, your police work and all that kind of stuff as well. 
uh, there's another good act that, or at least I think it's a good act, and uh, most people I talk to think it is, and that's the National Reciprocity, which would make your farm's license basically like your driver's license. Your driver's license doesn't care when you cross the state line, and neither should your weapons permit. It's better than that. It's better Well, it's better than that, but it's at least as good as. It's better than that. If you live in a state that's may issue or a state like Hawaii that's technically may issue but is in reality no, no issue, issue. <laughs> uh, then uh, you know California's may issue. Right. Depends on who your sheriff is and what county you live in. Some counties have higher issuance rates than Georgia. Uh, but if you live in, for example, San Francisco, you can pretty much forget it right. unless you are uh, a well-connected senator. Right. Or friends with a sheriff and things <laughs> of that nature, whoever. Yeah. Yeah, like Diane Feinstein. Right. Uh, yes. Anyway, she, one. <laughs> she did get one. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, but this bill would allow you to get a non-resident license from a state that issues to non-residents, say from California, you could get one from Florida or Utah, Utah. Uh, or, or any other state that issues a non-resident license, and it would be good in your home state. Right. So you could carry in California on your own license. Uh, in addition, you know, obviously, being from Georgia, you can you can get a license here. Your license would be good in all 50 states. Right. Now, I think they should improve that and add territories and such uh, well make it think, a worldwide one <laughs> well at least on u.s soil there's no reason to go visit the u.s virgin islands i agree and have that right taken away that's correct or puerto rico or any of the other places but there is an undercurrent of opposition to this bill from people who i would think would normally or should support it who think uh, they don't want the feds getting involved in this have you have you heard mm-hmm. that i've heard some of it yes i've heard a little bit of talk but uh, not as much uh, negative, not as much against it as I have for it. Most people I've talked to are, are for it, uh, and they're for the Hearing Protection Act that we t- discussed earlier. The argument is uh, basically once you let the camel's nose under the tent, they think the federal government will come along and make restrictions. Well, you know, look, did you live through the 90s? Uh, you know, the federal government already has done that. They yeah. will do it again in the future. Yep. Um, but you've got to seize on these opportunities when you can. And, and just looking back historically – this is the entire reason that the Constitution uh, had added to it the 14th Amendment. Mm-hmm. The 14th Amendment was adopted because states were denying fundamental human rights. And uh, the 14th Amendment and some of the federal statutes that followed empowered Congress to enforce people's uh, fundamental constitutional rights when states were denying them. One of the, the fundamental rights that was debated at length during the adoption of the 14th Amendment was the right to bear arms, mm-hmm. which was being denied in southern states to black citizens who were right. citizens of the U.S. and subject to the Constitution, and yet southern states were denying that very fundamental right. So my view of it is that this is Congress's role. They should be doing this legislation anytime states are denying constitutional rights, especially something as fundamental as uh, the, the right to self-defense. I agree wholeheartedly with you. Um, now, you, we also want to talk one other thing that happened uh, in the last week or so, and that's the decision out of the Fourth um, uh, Circuit Court of Appeals. Would you like to Colby weigh in versus on that? Maryland, yes. I'm sure many of you have heard this. Uh, uh, the Fourth <clears throat> Circuit basically upheld a ban on uh, assault rifles, particularly discussing at length in the opinion the AR-15 and uh, magazine capacity bans, which are the law in Maryland. Um, uh, plaintiff sued, saying this violates the Second Amendment. 
Well, the Fourth Circuit, in an unbanked decision, which means all the judges of the Fourth Circuit sitting, decided, I think it was 9-4, uh, I saw another source that said 10-4, um, that such weapons as an AR-15 are not protected by the Second Amendment. Uh, basically, the, the basis of the ruling was that an AR-15 is a rifle that only has a militaristic use. Now, think about that for a second. I would not want to go to war with an AR-15. <laughs> an AR-15 has never been issued no. to a soldier in all of human history. It's not been. It's not going to be because of the fact that you'd be out man firepower just before you walked out of your, your barracks. But they have turned um, a century of constitutional law on its head. And I'm going to need to back up here with a little bit of history. Do, do we have two minutes to do you that? Yeah, three minutes. All right. <laughs> In the 1930s, there was a case called Miller versus the United States. It involved right. a sawed-off shotgun, right. uh, the, what was called a sawed-off shotgun. It's a short-barreled shotgun, although in this case, I think they actually did saw it off. And uh, in Arkansas, um, the defendants in that case filed a motion to dismiss saying, hey, we have a, sec a Second Amendment right to possess this weapon. On a motion to dismiss, for those of you who aren't lawyers, there's no evidence presented. So uh, the judge took a look at that motion and granted it. Yep, Second Amendment protects a right to bear arms. That's obviously an arm, and dismissed the case. This went up on appeal to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court uh, uh, looked at this, keeping in mind, again, no evidence has been presented, and said, you know, we're not going to decide in the absence of any evidence that such a weapon, in this case a short-barreled shotgun, is any part of the ordinary military equipment. And they went into the history of the Second Amendment and how it was made up of the whole body of the people, and they would show up with arms in common use at the time. Uh, and so while they weren't looking at evidence, they were sending it back to the district court with instructions, and the tests were, is this part of the ordinary military equipment, and is this a weapon that is in common use? Now, in 2008... Those tests were again set forth by Heller. Heller uh, repeated uh, Miller's test. They looked at handguns. You remember that case involved mm -hmm. handguns in D.C. And they said, well, a handgun is the quintessential American weapon. This is what is overwhelmingly chosen by citizens uh, for self-defense in the home, and therefore it is in common use. And, and that extended to semi-automatic handguns as well. Um, what the Fourth Circuit has done is turned that test on its head and said this military use makes it ineligible for Second Amendment protection in spite of the fact that the AR-15 rifle is the most commonly purchased and owned rifle in America today. Right, and, and, and I think in other places besides just America. And uh, what they call high-capacity magazines, and we like to call normal right. ones, there's 75 right. million of them out there. Right. Obviously in common use. Yes. So yes, this so. decision is very, very troublesome. Right. But the Fourth Circuit is not alone. Uh, we'll discuss some more of that when okay. we get back. Yeah, we're going to take a break here in just a few minutes. Uh, in the meantime, I uh, want to remind you, go to georgiacarry.org, join us, look over the page, see what we've got. You can follow us on Twitter at Georgia Carey. Uh, I'm uh, at GotYourBack64 on Twitter as well. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarey.org Radio with Doug King. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarey.org Radio Hour. Uh, my guest again is Ed Stone. We were talking about the Fourth uh, 
Circuit Court of Appeals decision before we left uh, for our break. And Ed's got a few more things he wants to say to finish that up. And then once he gets through, we're going to go into our local bills here in Georgia. Ed, <laughs> take it away. Again, Colby's the Fourth Circuit case that came out recently saying that AR-15s are not protected by the Second Amendment. Neither are normal capacity magazines allowing uh, the holding of more ammunition than Maryland says is legal. And um, we, when we were discussing that, basically they've turned the, um, the law on its head. But there are some disturbing trends here. Number one is um, this is out in the news like it's something new. It's not. Right. The Second Circuit, the Tenth Circuit, the Ninth Circuit have all ruled the same way, and there may be more that I missed. Um, and I'm not aware of any circuits that have ruled the opposite way on this issue, that is, semi-automatic rifles like right. this in a ban, and, and come and said, that violates the Second Amendment. I don't believe there are any cases like that. And if this, uh, if this case is appealed to the Supreme Court, and we have a 4-4 Supreme Court, right, as we do right now, then there's a good chance we lose. Heller and McDonald were both 5-4 cases. That's correct. Now, so. there, there is a little bit of hope. Those of you who remember the Caetano case, this was a case that went to the Supreme Court, involved a stun gun, uh, a woman that had an, an electric shock device. Uh, I think it was a taser. But anyway, uh, that case was unanimous in striking down the state law at issue that banned right. um, tasers because uh, – uh, they said this is a weapon protected by the Second Amendment. And interestingly enough, the government argued in that case that, well, this doesn't have a military use, therefore it's not protected. Right. And uh, the Supreme Court rejected that argument, right. said, first of all, it is issued to some uh, some military units like MPs and such. Right. Um, and there was also the argument that, well, this weapon didn't exist at the time of the Second Amendment was adopted. And the Supreme Court rejected that un unanimously as well uh, in saying that's not the test. Uh, anything capable of being carried and used offensively or defensively was a weapon. Right. Now, I don't know if they're going to hold to that holding uh, when it comes well, to other things like an AR-15, but that's right. interesting uh, in, in terms of, you know, those words mean things. And my point is that when we have a divided 4-4 Supreme Court, then – we're taking a chance when it gets there, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. We're, we're right on that precipice of being in trouble. Well, uh, Heller and McDonald were both 5-4 decisions, and right. Scalia is no longer there. That's um, correct. And if a case is 4-4, that means the lowercase decision is upheld. That's correct. Uh, now, another disturbing trend in this case, earlier cases in the Fourth Circuit had applied something called strict scrutiny. Right. These are the, the levels of review a court will apply to a case. Uh, they're borrowed from First Amendment cases generally. And the Fourth Circuit had used strict scrutiny in the past when looking at Second Amendment issues. In this case, they used intermediate scrutiny, as have the other circuits that I, that I mentioned. And mm -hmm. intermediate scrutiny is being used in a lot of Second Amendment cases. Right. The, the intermediate scrutiny test is pretty easy for the government to pass. What it means is that the challenged law must further an important government interest by means that are substantially related to that interest. Now think about that for a second. How hard is it for the government to argue that whatever they're doing furthers an important government interest? <laughs> of course it does. You know, hey, this is public safety. We're trying to reduce violence. Well, it's our job to keep people safe. That's, in, that's an important government interest. And then you, know, you don't have to say, like, this is the best means for doing that. Right. 
you just have to make the case. The logical connection is only that what you're doing is substantially related to that interest. To making somebody safe. It's not a tough standard to pass. No, it's not. Uh, And so intermediate scrutiny uh, ends up basically eroding the Second Amendment. And I'm fearful that that's where uh, many of the courts are headed. And unfortunately, what's happened in the last uh, few years is that the uh, anti- or what I call the gun prohibitionists, have been uh, not so um, successful in the in the courts, or not so successful in the legislature, so they go to the courts, and they always go to one of the more liberal courts and see if they can't tear our, our uh, rights down through those liberal courts. And this is a statement saying it, yes, apparently they can, at least in this well, instance. In fairness, for these cases to come up, there has to be some success in the state legislature. You know, for example, like this case, uh, Colby in Maryland involves a Maryland law banning normal capacity magazines and, and banning what they call assault weapons, which include AR-15s. Um, uh, but, yes, we're losing in the courts, folks, on the yes. Second Amendment. Um, okay. uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. all, uh, courts can erode... The core uh, holding of Eller, quite, Heller, excuse me, Heller versus D.C., they can erode that quite a bit without ever actually reversing it and just wear it down until it doesn't right. mean something like was done with Commerce Clause cases in the 90s after U.S. v. Lopez. That was the case right. that struck down gun-free school zones. Right. It said basically, you know, hey, this is a police power. The Congress doesn't have a general police power. This doesn't involve commerce. And many people in the 90s thought, hey, this this is a new leaf that the Supreme Court right. is turning over. They're going to bring the Commerce Clause back to what it really meant, which was to regulate commerce between states right. and with foreign nations and with the Indian tribes. Um, no. Uh, U.S. v. Lopez has become a historical footnote. And I fear that with cases like this coming out uh, and the Supreme Court not taking any of them up on appeal mm-hmm. uh, to correct these decisions, uh, that that's what might happen to Heller and McDonald. Keep in mind, the Ninth Circuit made a ruling that was directly contrary to Heller uh, and said that uh, firearms uh, upheld a law that said firearms had to be stored with a trigger lock. Right. Well, that's a provision that Heller struck down uh, that the city of D.C. had. Right. Supreme Court didn't take the case. Yeah. They let it stand. Yeah. And so uh, I'm concerned that, uh, that some of these cases, just by the Supreme Court not coming out and upholding Heller and continuing to enforce it against the lower courts, right. that uh, it will erode Heller over time. Yep, and I would not disagree with that. And this is why selection of federal judges is very important. That's correct. That's um, why elections have consequences as well. Uh, now we want to talk a little bit about what's going on here in Georgia on Monday, as uh, you should have read in your email that you got yesterday. where There will be three bills heard in the um, House Public Safety and Homeland Security Committee. Those three bills, and it's at 1 o'clock. I'm not sure what room it is, but it's in the CLOB building. Um, we can, uh, you, it will be in your, or it is in your update. Uh, three bills that will be heard is HB 280, which is the campus carry bill, basically the same thing that we had last year, except it has uh, excluded daycare centers. And, and not only daycare centers, but it was also uh, pre-K uh, school as well, uh, which, as we pointed out before, most of those are in the dorms, and there's not really much of an addition as restrictions in this particular bill in reality. 
but it makes people happy. Uh, HB 292, that is the bill that we had last year, 1060, HB 1060 last year, that did uh, several things. It's an omnibus bill. It has an awful lot of things in it, a lot of small things that uh, when taken in, in its entirety, it's a fairly good, fairly big bill. Uh, there are uh, one of the things that a lot of people have to have always complained about is you can't get your a change of address on the on the license. Well, this will allow you to if you're over 90 days out, you can have a license or an address change for six bucks. If you get married, your name changed for whatever reason, then you can get that changed as well. If the license has more than 90 days to go. Uh, it uh, allows people moving to from a reciprocal state to Georgia. It allows them to carry on their old license until uh, 90 days after they get their driver's license and established residency. That's here. one of the number one questions we get at Georgia Carry right. from people moving into the state, isn't it? What do I do now? A- yeah. And what we usually tell them is they lose their right to carry for a period of That's time. That's correct, other than a vehicle home or on their property or place of business. Yeah, thankfully, uh, the probate courts have gotten a lot uh, quicker right. about issuing, but this used to be a serious problem when the, when the probate courts were taking six to eight months to issue. That's and, correct. And once the person had established residency, his, his foreign license from another state was no good. That's correct. That's exactly right. Uh, it also defines the term commercial service airport and a major airline, and that was because of the Wings Over Georgia uh, decision uh, in our, one of our court cases that's being appealed. Uh, they said we couldn't carry in a uh, commercial airport and small private airports in this place, at least, even provided for that. It also, a very important thing is it provides protection for an instructor, anyone who who lawfully instructs, educates, trains a person on how to use a firearm, if that person goes out and uses it in a manner other than which he was trained, that uh, instructor is not responsible for that. I got one more bill I want to talk back uh, about after we come back from the break here. Uh, in the meantime, however, I want to remind you one more time, georgiacarry.org. Uh, we have a place where you can Sign up online. It's $20 a year. You can sign up for as many years as you want, plus you can get a lifetime membership for $500. GeorgiaCarry.org, and you'll see on the left-hand side it says join. Also, uh, follow us on Twitter at at GeorgiaCarry, and I'm at GotYourBack64 if you'd like to follow me on Twitter. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug King. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. Uh, Jerry Henry here with uh, Ed Stone discussing current bills that are in the legislature and what we've done. Before, uh, there's there's one more bill that I want to talk about, uh, one that's being heard, and then there's another one that uh, has not been heard and, and may not be heard that I'm going to ask Ed to step in and talk about that one. Uh, the third bill that's going to be heard on Monday is HB 406. HB 406 uh, has to do with reciprocity. Uh, many of you may know that Virginia last year, after uh, the governor and the attorney general, I believe it was, decided they were going to do away with reciprocity for most states, the General Assembly 
passed a 50-state reciprocity law, which they had no choice but to sign into law because it would have been overridden. And so, therefore, Virginia offered 50-state reciprocity. They contacted Georgia and said, we'd like to have reciprocity with you. Georgia said, no, can't do that because our law says that a license that is uh, issued by a state that recognizes us well, it says a license is what the statute says. That's what the statute says. The attorney says. general took the position that, that the other state, in this case Virginia, has to honor all of our licenses, right. every single one of them. Every single one of them. And the issue that came up is Georgia has a provision. I don't even know if this has ever been used. But Georgia has a provision that says if you're 18 to 20 and you're honorably discharged from the military, you're eligible for a license, or even though you're, you're under 21. Or if you are in the military. Well, if you're in the military, military, you don't need Of course, you don't need one, but you can still have one. (laughs) Sure. Uh, And and Virginia does not not exempt military people. That's right. Therefore, that was hurt as well. Virginia does not issue to anybody under 21. That's correct. And it's against the law for you to carry if you're under 21. But uh, keep in mind, our reciprocity statute says if you honor a license, A is singular, a license. Way I read uh, it. You know, if I tell my kid you can have a cookie, uh, he, he's not. He better not he eat can't the whole have bag. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so, even look, even a child can understand this. That's correct. But our attorney general took the position that they have to honor every, each and every license, all of them. That's correct. And so, uh, uh, Virginia and Georgia do not have reciprocity. And I understand a bunch of people are coming from Virginia to visit Georgia pretty soon, aren't they? They sure are. And they're going to want to carry. They're going to want to carry. T- tell them about that, Jerry. Well, that's the NRA convention will be down here in April and. And uh, they just happen to be headquartered in Virginia. So everybody from uh, the headquarters up down here, plus a lot of people be coming out of state to visit us and come to the NRA convention, and they won't be able to carry here. So, so we have Georgia Carey mm-hmm. and NRA on the same page on this one, wanting this issue do. fixed. Well, and, and Georgia yes. Carey has gone to great lengths. In fact, we have a Virginia Citizens Defense League member and Georgia Carey member who are suing. That's correct. Uh, suing, I uh, believe, the Attorney General. The Attorney General uh, over his, uh, his interpretation of the law. Uh, because it's wrong. It is wrong. But... We don't have time for the law to act, if you know, being an attorney, it doesn't, the wheels don't move real quick, Slow. no matter how much you keep them green. So uh, we have to do something uh, Virginia's quickly. legislature, by the way, disagreed uh, with the way their, their state was going about it, and they passed a bill that, that um, would have recognized Georgia's license anyway, right. but their Democrat governor, McCaughlin, McAuliffe. McAuliffe, sorry, yeah. he vetoed the bill uh, right. since we were on the radio last time. Right. And so uh, you know, we thought that was going to render Georgia Kerry's lawsuit moot, yes. uh, but that is not the case. But this bill will render us moot. As the way I understand well, so, it, if it's passed, assuming it passes, uh, what, what do we do? Is it just come by a subcommittee, or is it being heard? Well, no, it's being heard by the full. It's being heard by the full committee on Monday. There's three bills. T- tell them the bill number. HB four hundred six. Okay. There are three bills that are going to be heard by the full committee, the House Public Safety and Homeland Security Committee, on Monday afternoon at one o'clock, CLOB Building here in Atlanta. Uh, HB 280, That's Campus Carry, yeah. HB 292, which is the omnibus bill, uh, the old 1060, and HB 406. Which will fix the reciprocity issue. Which will fix issue. the reciprocity issue and between Virginia and now, now, Georgia. Let's now, talk you can, you there can about also, that for a second, because we have a lot of states that won't issue to under 21. And if our attorney general would take the same position with each, with each and every state, we could lose a whole lot of states. We could lose 12 states. We could lose 12 states. A dozen. 
Yes, a dozen, and you don't really want to hear some of them because they're very close to us. Uh, just, just slightly south of Quiet. us. Quiet. <laughs> Move on to the next issue. <laughs> but um, that would move, that would render our lawsuit moot. But we would get the problem taken care of. Now, the way I understand it right now, uh, Virginia does recognize us. We can go up there and carry. It's just that they can't come down here to carry. So uh, the next bill I want to talk about is one that has not been heard and probably will not be heard. And that is, uh, I'm going to ask Ed to talk about it. It's HB 334, April's Law, introduced by Kaisha Waits. Well, yeah, that's she's calling it April's Law, and let's just clarify who that is. April Ross. April Ross was a Fulton County prosecutor who uh, was going through a divorce, and her husband uh, walked up to her in a parking lot while she was seated in her car uh, and shot her and the passenger in her car. Unfortunately for Miss Ross, uh, one of the bullets pierced her spine, and right. she is paralyzed. Right. Um, but uh, this bill, let's just discuss it quickly and, and see what it does. <clears throat> and, and what this bill would do is render anybody with a temporary protective or restraining order ineligible for a license. And many of you are thinking, well, wait, that's already federal law, and therefore you're already il- ineligible for a license, correct? Isn't that what people are saying? Well, I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said that you can't buy a firearm if you're under. Sure. Uh, I mean, it's federal law. It is. You're right. But what but, what Representative Waits' bill would do is different. And here's the reason. Uh, in this country, you are entitled to something called due process. You've heard that term. I've heard that term. What it means is you're entitled to notice. In other words, the government tells you, here's what we're about to do. And an opportunity to be heard. Right. So you get to show up and answer. You'd be surprised how many of these restraining order cases don't go anywhere once the other side gets to come in and and talk and present evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, But what this bill would do uh, is disarm those who have no clue that an order was even pending against them. Uh, Let's examine just quickly how a TPO works in Georgia. Uh, so you can decide whether you support this bill, because a lot of people are getting behind this. This is a great uh, move against domestic violence and that sort of thing. Uh, but in Georgia, a petitioner files a petition for this TPO. Um, uh, I'll say she, because many of them are, are filed by, by females, but she gives her ex parte testimony. Now, what that means is the other party isn't there. Right. He doesn't even know this is going on. She gives her ex parte testimony. Uh, the man's not there to defend himself. The judge will set a date for a hearing at which the man can come and defend himself. Uh, that will be more than a week later, but the law allows up to 30 days, a month. Okay? And in many busy um, counties, that's how, that's how long it takes. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's say your wife or significant other goes down to the courthouse and swears you are threatening to kill her. The judge can already throw you out of the house, literally. Your first notice is when the deputies show up and tell you you have five minutes to gather anything you might need. And if you resist or you return, you're going to go back to jail with serious criminal charges. Now, what does this bill add? Um, Under the the family violence law, it's OCGA 1913-3, upon the filing of a verified petition in which the petitioner alleges with specific facts that probable cause exists to establish that family violence has occurred in the past and may occur in the future, the court may order such temporary ex parte. Ex parte is a Latin term for meaning 
the other side doesn't even get to be heard. Uh, you just show up and ask for it, and you get it. As it deems necessary to protect the petitioner or, the, or a minor of the household from violence. If the court issues an ex parte order, a copy of the order shall be immediately furnished to the petitioner, which is the person who asked for it. That's it. No hearing. You never even knew it happened. The ex parte order is signed. It's out the door. A deputy comes and serves it upon you, a man with a badge and a gun, and you are instantly ineligible for your Georgia weapons carry license under this bill. Um, and you're ineligible to buy a firearm. Well, I, I oddly, <laughs> oddly, I don't see anything in this bill that would render you ineligible to possess a firearm. Right. Now, remember, uh, federal law requires notice and an opportunity to be heard. Right. So if you've had notice and an opportunity to be heard and you get a restraining order issued, you are ineligible to possess under federal law. It's a very serious offense. Um, uh, but this bill would render you ineligible for your weapons carry license. In other words, your weapon carry, right. weapons carry license would be invalid. Um, so uh, during this period before you can be heard and you've never had any chance to respond, may not have even known it issued, um, you're ineligible to carry, uh, but not necessarily uh, keep your guns. Uh, you could carry them anywhere. Uh, I suppose that a license or eligibility for a license is not required, like your car or yeah. property or home or place of business. Um, so that's a little odd. I'm sure that wasn't yeah. intentional. But the main thing is here is due process. Right. We want to protect due process rights. Uh, you, you shouldn't be taking away fundamental human rights. Right without at least an opportunity to be heard in your own defense. And uh, so having said that, I assume that you are against that bill. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it dies a very uh, agonizing and short death. death. Okay, we're coming up again on a break, uh, and we're going to spend the last 15 minutes, like we promised, talking about the history of georgiacarry.org with uh, Ed Stone, and, and I'll be listening in. I may throw in a couple of words from here to there. But in the meantime, check out our website, www.georgiacary.org. Look us over, sign up, 20 bucks a year. Welcome back to georgiacarry.org radio with Doug King. Welcome back to georgiacarry.org radio hour. Uh, again, Jerry Henry we're here with Ed Stone. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of where we've come from, where we're going, and a lot of things that, that are still of interest to us that we need to do. There's a lot of things other than the General Assembly that we have to work on. And we've always said there's, we have a three-pronged approach. We educate, we legislate, and when that doesn't work, we litigate. That's right. So, uh, I'm going to ask Ed to step in here, and we'll chat back and forth on things that we're aware of that you might want to be sure. You know, and, I, and I'm going to step in. With. I'm going to step in off topic here for just a second. Okay. Um, the Colby case. I, I, I had it open in front of me. I was about to close my computer up, and I saw Judge King's uh, ruling. The words that were open before me describe an AR-15 as having a rate of fire. This is a semi-automatic mm. rifle we're talking about. Right. Between 300 it's and 500 rounds round. per minute. You're going to have a tired finger, and I don't know how you're going to reload that. Now, fast. I know lots of you <laughs> listeners have AR-15s. I would love for you to get them out and see if you can equal that. Uh, 500, 500 rounds per minute. Yes. Um, uh, even at 300, uh, that is five rounds per second. Right. 
which would be really fast with mag changes and all. But you set up your timer and see if you can get that. These are the kind of people – look, I'm a lawyer, so I can't comment personally on Judge King. Uh, but these are the kind of issues that make me think maybe you should be able to educate yourself just a little before ruling on something that's right. so important to the people in your circuit. Right. I agree with that. But let's let's turn to talking so. about Georgia Kerry. <laughs> Uh, you know, two weeks ago we we discussed um, the start of Georgia Carey and and how when when Georgia Carey started and the reason it started was that Georgia had more places off limits to the carrying of a gun than any state in the nation, and uh, and we had compared, for example, California, um, and we had more, we had way more, um, but. Uh, that was a bad situation to be in. You remember those yes, days. Yes, yes, very bad. Your, your license didn't mean anything. And even though you had a license, you didn't know whether you could carry there or not. You had to P- carry an attorney, call an attorney to see if it was a, a public gathering. P- and then he couldn't tell you because he wasn't sure either. No, people were fearful. Uh, they were fearful of carrying in certain locations. And, of course, law enforcement, it was individual to individual. They had their own interpretations. I remember a common one was anywhere 15 or more people are gathered. Now, there was no case law or anything addressing that. It was just urban legend, but it was being uh, enforced as the law. Uh, You know, if you you were in a McDonald's and there were 15 people, there were law enforcement that thought you're breaking the law. Right. And, and that was very. And we have had members that were arrested in McDonald's for carrying a firearm. <laughs> we had one. We have one that you may not have heard about yet. Uh, but yesterday, uh, he called me yesterday. Had just gotten out of jail. He was arrested for carrying in Walmart in the Cab County, openly carrying. What was the charge? Uh, well, he said they they reduced it or they changed it from from a firearms to. Um, Public nuisance or uh, public disturbance. Wow. Uh, conduct, you know. Could you imagine being arrested in Walmart for shopping while carrying a Bible? Well, I can As can't, a public but, nuisance. A lot well, of people are offended by the that's Bible. That's correct. They sure are. They certainly are. That, that's disturbing, Jerry. But you at just, any rate. That, you, you ruined my weekend. Thank you. <laughs> those, those, are, those are some of the things that we have seen, and we still see those things. And well, and. I made a statement uh, at the GRPC last year, the uh, Gun Rights Policy, Gun Rights Policy Conference. Conference. Uh, the guy before me stood up and said uh, something about when they started Florida Carry, they didn't. That everybody said, "Well, why do we need Florida Carry? You know, you can do this, this, and this." Well, they found out that the, the laws didn't really. They may sound good, but they weren't really that good. I stood up and started off my speech by saying there wasn't anybody in Georgia that that knew. Or that thought that we didn't need Georgia Carey when we Absolutely. started because we needed somebody to do something and stand up for our rights, and that just happened to be Georgia Carey. And education, the first part of education was just convincing people, hey, there's a problem. Yeah, you remember, all uh, all parks were off limits. Right. State parks, county parks, city parks. You couldn't, if you, had a, if you left a gun in your car under your seat, your wife got in the car and she didn't have a license, she could be arrested. Just insane laws. And, and and there was a difference between carrying openly and concealed, you remember. Right. And carrying concealed was a crime. And the license to carry was an affirmative defense to the crime. Now, what does all that legalese mean? It means you could have been arrested regardless. <laughs> the officer sees you concealing a firearm. If he figures out you've got one concealed, you go to jail. Right. If you're carrying openly, ironically, he, he had to leave you alone. 
I've always said open carry is best. <laughs> <laughs> Which is yeah, I carry openly too. And uh, but but still, there's no excuse for detaining no. somebody simply because he no. has a concealed firearm, unless no. he's concealing it while putting on a ski mask and heading into a convenience store. Uh, it's just ridiculous. I but agree. that was the state of the law back then. That's correct. And that's why uh, Georgia Carey pushed to, to get rid of the distinction altogether. Although we'd still like to get rid of the license for carrying openly, and also get rid of the sure. license for carrying concealed. Sure. Uh, but but now the license is an element of the offense, not an affirmative defense. Um, and so you can't be arrested just because um, an officer knows you're carrying concealed. And, in fact, we've, we have it written into the law now that you can't even be detained right. just for the purpose of checking a license. That's correct. Well, we went from from one of the worst states, and I, I was told it was about 43rd worst state with most uh, with more places off limits than any other state to carry. Then uh, we went from that to somewhere in the top five states uh, in the country as best states for owning well, I, and carrying I, I, I still think we've got a ways to go. I mean, oh, dem- I Democrat states like New Hampshire and Oregon allow carry in I schools and, and uh, either all of a courthouse or most of it and all public buildings. Um, and, and, you know, Georgia, we're still fighting these issues. But let's talk about one that's bothering me. Um, uh, the Macon Cherry Blossom Festival. Have you heard of that? Yes, I've heard of it. Uh, it's springtime. It's time for that festival. And, and what, what's happening, it's not just the Macon Cherry Blossom Festival. Governments are doing this more and more. You take public land, like a park, right, and you lease it to a private ent- entity, and then they ban guns. Now, the, the city can't ban guns from the park, right? but everybody's taking the position that the private entity can and uh, uh, the legislature, I thought, addressed this issue a few years ago uh, when they said uh, that in, in the language about um, uh, uh, the, where you can carry, yeah. stating that, um, that the person in control of the, the land yeah. through a lease or ownership. Private property rights were always protected in right. that statute. The, the, the statute saying where you can carry says you can carry anywhere unless it's listed in this code section. That's 1611-127. Right. It actually gives authority to a license holder to carry anywhere in the state, unless it's listed. And then it adds that, uh, but nevertheless, a private property owner can eject somebody because they're right. carrying a firearm. They don't lose that right. right. But it also protects the rights of people who lease property, is what it used to say. Mm-hmm. Somebody who leases property. Well, the General Assembly went back in because of some of these issues that were were going on right. and inserted the word private in there. In fact, it uses the word private four times in one sentence. You right. can't get much clearer, but it now says that a person who leases private property. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, these cities are leasing out public property and then either encouraging or, or banning weapons through that private entity or allowing the private en- entity to do so and then using their local police to enforce it. Right. Um, and, and I think that's a direct violation of 1611-127. Uh, but this, this came up recently at a trial court level in the Atlanta Botanical Gardens right. case. Do you remember that I case? I remember that case. The Atlanta Botanical Gardens is a private entity leasing public land. It's a, it's a public city of Atlanta Park. Um, and uh, in that case, uh, we lost in the trial court with the trial court judge not really giving that statute any analysis and right. just saying, hey, if they're leasing it, it's there. then it's private property yeah. for purposes of that lease, which is not what the statute says. The statute says right. if you're leasing private property, not if you're leasing public property. 
Um, that case is on appeal, but hasn't been heard yet. I anticipate it's going to be you know, well into the spring, maybe sure. even early summer At before least. before we get it heard. <clears throat> Uh, but look, these issues are facing us every day. Yep. Um, you know, we, we're still fighting the battles of, about local government buildings, and, and trust me, there are people that want to ban firearms completely from public buildings. Well, they're spending a lot of money. There's a lot, awful lot of municipalities that are spending a lot of money right now to do that. I understand Cobb County. Cobb if you're in County Cobb County and you're listening to this, Cobb County is about to install metal detectors and ban your firearms from the building. You need to contact your commissioners and put a stop to that right now. That's correct. Uh, because that, that they're already there. The metal detectors are already there. They just haven't don't have them up and running, but the right. plan is to get them up and running soon. So call your commissioners. But uh, look, we need action on this. If you're listening to this radio show and you are not a Georgia Carey member, I have to ask you, why not? Yeah. And I don't really want a bunch of whiny excuse answers back. You need to join. If your membership has lapsed, rejoin. That's correct. If you've got friends that don't know who we are, tell them about Georgia right. Carry. Tell them what we've done. We need your help. You can't sit back on your laurels and rest because we got rid of the public gathering law and now you can carry in parks. There is a lot of work left to be done. Oh, there is. And it, it's going to take a while to get some of those things done. In fact, we're still having to, to argue a lot of our points at the General Assembly because there are people who say, well, why is that a problem? Because they don't understand. They don't go out and carry. But fortunately, we've been able to to help. But uh, we need your help. We, we need you. If you're listening, That's we correct. need you to help. That's correct. We need you to. And when you uh, get your emails telling you that you need to contact your uh, representatives and your senators, please do so. In the meantime, we're getting ready to close this program down one more time. And don't forget, georgiacarry.org. Uh, join us there, Twitter, at georgiacarry. We will talk to you next week. You've been listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Saturday mornings at 8, right here on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.